WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the Marian Hour. And I'm going to begin this Marian hour as I normally do, inviting you to pray with me the beautiful prayer to Our Lady the Memorare. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, and um, saints, um, Simon and Jude pray for us. We celebrate their feast day today. The two, these two apostles who died, I think history um, relates ancient tradition that they both died in Persia as martyrs. And <coughs> you know, Saint Jude wrote the penultimate book of the Bible second to the last, that is, before the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation, he wrote his epistle, and uh, doesn't even have chapters, it's the shortest book of the Bible, just has 25 verses, very powerful um, witness to the truth about punishment of evildoers, and um, it's, it's worth reading and meditating upon. Today, we're getting toward the end of the month of October. If you were with us for the last show two weeks ago, it was October 14th, the day after October 13th, which was the anniversary of Our Lady's final apparition at Fatima to the three children with the miracle of the sun. We talked about that with our, our guests that were sitting in. It was Bonnie Quirk, and I forget who else was here, but um, we were trying to raise money for WSFI. How much did we raise, Angela? Do you know? Yeah, we just made 10000 which was our minimum goal. We just skated in after the bell, Father. We after got the, after bell. the bell. Okay, well, that's very good. And so you know who broke the log jam? Who? Someone from Wisconsin, from Racine. His name is Don, and he's a Bears fan. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, very good. There you go. But we had actually, we yeah. had a number of people uh, calling in okay. that night and emailing in. So, Well, glad Thank we, you. we made our, at least the, the, the threshold of our goal. And um, just, um, you know, if anyone's interested, you know, our, our WSFI sports banquet is Our annual, yeah, up. the WSFI annual banquet is on November 21st. Right. And we have Dr. Stephen Moser as our keynote speaker. Yes, yes, wonderful. And, and you know Dr. him. Dr. Moser, yes, yes, I've known him for many years. Uh, I, I used to read about his conversion story back 
going back to the 80s when he first reported on this he blew the cover so to speak on the forced abortions in China he was a graduate student from Stanford and he witnessed this going on he was horrified by it and um, well the the people in charge of his doctoral program that he was in at Stanford didn't want to hear anything about this. They dismissed him from the program, and he was an atheist back then, and then he, uh, he actually, I, I heard him talk on this once. He said he came back to this country, and he was so naive. He said he, he, he uh, went to the, you know these groups like the National Organization of Women to tell them, hey, you know, they're they're abusing women over there, forcing abortions. They didn't want to hear anything about this because <laughs> abortion's like a sacrament to them, and who cares if they're being forced to have abortions? So much for free choice. And he was eventually led to the Catholic Church um, through through the pro-life movement, and in particular, Father Paul Marx, who used to be head of the uh, Human Life International organization. He was a Benedictine. I worked for Father Marx when I was in the seminary. Uh, through Father Marx, we published uh, um, a newsletter, Seminarians for Life. Uh, I was editor of that for a couple of years, and it, I don't know if it's still being published or not, but it went to all the seminaries, English-speaking in the world. And um, anyway, Dr. Dr. Mosher was converted by Father Paul Marx, and uh, Catholic now with, I, f I forget how many children he has, I think it's about eight children. He turned from being an atheist to uh, a real staunch uh, believer, a Catholic, and a real pro-lifer. And he, he heads now the, an organization that began within Father Marx's human life organization. Um, it was called the Population Research Institute. And that broke off as a separate organization. There was a need to, to make it separate, I think, back maybe 20 years ago. And Dr. Moser heads that now. So, uh, that's and he's written, I think, I think, at least seven books, maybe nine, on communist, the Communist Chinese Party. Yes. Well, he's he's an expert on China, and he really sees China as the danger, yes, the threat to, to um, the world, our country in particular, but the world, because China wants wants hegemony, uh, control over the whole world. That's their goal. And, uh, you know, they're still radically communist, and, you know, they're persecuting the faith terribly, and... Um, um, and dissidents. <coughs> yes, and... And the Uyghurs. Right, yes, and so we... Uh, it, it'll be wonderful. You should try to get to the... Um, the WSFI Sports Banquet on Saturday... Saturday. November 7th? 21st. I know 21st, 21st. I have a good way for people to remember November 21st. What what feast day is that of the Blessed oh, Mother? Oh, the, the presentation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. How did I know that you <coughs> would know that? Oh, well. There you go. The presentation of Mary. Right. And and uh, this is at Mundelion. It is. And... and uh, um, can people buy an individual ticket or a group ticket? How do they do that? Well, it's interesting because, as you know, we are we have a, a virus out there that we're right. um, social distancing. So what they agree to do at the seminary is normally you have 8 to 10 people at a table. Mm -hmm. So for this event, we'll be at 25% capacity in the, in the hall. 
so we're limited but they'll open up both rooms so we can have 160 people and four per table wonderful four per table so instead of having the 10 but they'll all be six feet apart so that's wonderful and usually we have as you remember for those of your listeners our listeners that have gone to it usually we have the big live auction and silent auction we're limiting that very much this year so there won't be a reception with people mingling you'll just go right to your table and then we will um we'll just have a just a greatly scaled down auction father so that there's no sure. issues there as far as health is concerned okay well I, I hope people will respond and go and I think dr. Mosher will really be a draw uh, his his story uh, whatever he he talks about will will be fascinating I'm sure he's a, a really a polished speaker I've heard him speak um, a couple of times and um, he's been on the air here Yes, and Father, I hate to take up so much of your time, but I just also want to point out that from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, we created an award last year called Courageous Catholic Service. So this year we're giving it to Vicki Thorne, who you know also. Yes, sure. Vicki Thorne will be getting it from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and she'll be there. She's the founder of Project Rachel, abortion Mm -hmm. healing for for women who've had abortions. And just she's she's like a walking encyclopedia on not only that issue, but on health issues for women and mm-hmm. how the pill harms women and uh, changes their their whole consti- bodily constitution, uh, the pharaohs and everything. I mean, she's really fascinating. Yeah, so if you're, if you're dating a woman on the pill, the chances are once she gets off, you're not going to like her anymore. I think yes. that's kind of like what she Right, and she's <laughs> she not going to like you. <laughs> she's oh, she's yes. not going to like you. And then yes. from the Archdiocese mm. of Chicago, Bonnie Quirk from Lake yes. County Right to Life. And then from the Diocese of Rockford, we have our beloved Father Godwin Asukwo, who is the founder of Emabridge. So yes. thank you for men- bringing up the event. Sure, sure, and I hope you'll we'll get a good response. <laughs> Me and, too. And make, make a lot of raise a lot of money for the good cause of WSFI. Well, uh, I was saying before I I got off on the the uh, banquet that we're having that a couple of weeks ago I spoke on Our Lady of Fatima, and actually I, I didn't get a chance to speak on. The, f- the feast which was the week before the 7th of October and it really kind of sets the tone for the whole month October is the month of the rosary and so that's what I'd like to talk about today the rosary of Our Lady and I'm I'm, I'm not sure if all of you have heard of a, a book I, I'll advertise it here on the air uh, it's called the history and heroes, uh, pardon me, it's the, the full title, Champions of the Rosary, okay? The History and Heroes of a Spiritual Weapon. It's by Father Donald Calloway, MIC, he's the Marians of the Immaculate Conception, and he put together this um, really a compendium on the rosary, did a lot of research on it, and just to say something about the rosary, you know, it, it began... <coughs> as um, well the the lady couldn't pray the 150 psalms they didn't have bibles back then and so there was a, a tradition that sprung up um, the, the the psalter the, the paternoster psalter okay paternoster meaning the our father so they would um, pray the the our father on beads now praying on beads goes back to the even you know the the early church um, 
you know, people using beads as, as a method for, you know, doing penance or saying prayers. And um, in, the, in the Middle Ages, uh, the, the Paternoster beads, as they were called, you, you prayed 150 of these instead of the Psalms. And some of the monks began substituting the Our Father with the Hail Mary. And that became popular. It became known as Mary's Psalter. And back then, it was just the first part of the Hail Mary that we pray now, not the second part that was added later. And you know that this practice prepared the way, as Father Calloway says, for the 13th century. And Saint Dominic, uh, in the 13th century, there was a heretical group in in the town of Albi in southern France called the Albigensians. It was kind of a resurrection of an older heresy, uh, a kind of a Gnostic heresy where you know, they believed in good, good God, evil God, that matter was evil, that spirit was good, so you wanted to get out of your body. Even having children was, was you know, looked upon as, as being bad. And, um, and they gained power in, in this area of southern France. And um, St. Dominic was, uh, Dominic Guzman was his name, St. Dominic. He was a powerful preacher preaching against this heresy. And <coughs> as, as Father Calloway recounts, uh, uh, you know, he was, he was making a retreat in, in a forest in the year 1208. He was, uh, you know, asking God for, you know, how can I better preach against this Albigensian heresy? And um, a ball of fire, three holy angels appeared in the sky, after which the Blessed Virgin spoke to St. Dominic and um, in really encouraged him to, to use this, this Marian Psalter uh, as, as a means to defeat the Albigensians. And so, as Father Calloway points out, the Marian Psalter was um, given to, to uh, St. Dominic or, or utilized by him as, as a method of, of defeating the Albigensians to, to preach this Marian Psalter and the mysteries, to meditate upon the mysteries. This was really his, his innovation. And, you know, some people doubt, you know, the, the authenticity of these stories. Uh, Father Calloway makes a good, a good defense and apologetic for, you know, tracing the, the rosary back to St. Dominic. But I don't want to dwell on that for too long. I'll just say that, you know, after uh, St. Dominic, the, the rosary didn't really gain a lot, all that much traction. <laughs> um, it, it, it kind of uh, <coughs> even faded. And a couple of hundred years later, in the 1400s, um, there was a Dominican priest, another Dominican, a follower of St. Dominic, Blessed Alan de la Roche. And um, he, he was given um, instructions from Our Lady to you know, revive the, the rosary, and he helped to, to do this among the Dominicans um, to encourage them to once again preach uh, the, the 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 Rosary and to make it popular, uh, the confraternity of the Holy Rosary was renewed. 
um, under him and, and others who cooperated with him in the 15th century. And <coughs> anyway, from this point, I'd like to, to move to the feast day that we celebrated back in October 7th. Do you know what feast day that is? Uh, the victory of Lepanto? Yes. I mean, it's called Our Lady of the Rosary. It was actually called Our Lady of Victory when it was instituted by Pope St. Pius V. Now, this is just a, such a wonderful story, and Father Calloway, uh, he has many, many stories on the rosary here. I mean, it's, it's just uh, his book, uh, Champions of the Rosary, is really um, uh, like an encyclopedia on the rosary, and he recounts this, this famous Battle of Lepanto, and... <coughs> You know, the, the setting was the 16th century, and, you know, the, the Ottoman Turks, the Muslims, were, were you know, expanding their, their uh, you could say, reign of terror over, over many areas. In 1453, the Muslims conquered Constantinople. And so, so Eastern Christendom, uh, that was the, the lead city. It fell under the Muslims. They renamed the city Istanbul, and they turned the greatest Byzantine church, Hagia Sophia, which means holy wisdom, into a mosque. After that, it was return. It, it was a museum up until just recently. The, the the present president of Turkey has just changed it back to a mosque. Sadly, okay. So we we mourn that fact. Hopefully, we'll gain that territory back for Christ one day. It needs to be re-evangelized, convert these these heretics, because that's what they are. They're heretics. I'll just say a word about Islam. It was founded by an, an antichrist. Okay. Want to be very clear on that. Um, you know, back in the fourth century, the first great, really great heresy was the Arian heresy. Arius, a priest, preached that Jesus was not God. He was just a good guy. And the Council of Nicaea was called to, to combat this. Um, and actually, the Emperor Constantine, because this was causing problems in the empire, you know, he wanted this council. It was held in 325 in Ephesus, where traditionally Mary had lived with St. John, and she died there. Okay. We formulated the creed that Jesus is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten eternally, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Okay, So I see that our first segment, we're, we're out of time. We're I'm going to take a break right now. We'll return. Yes. Hi, this is Mike McCoy. I went to University of Notre Dame, played 11 years in the NFL. And why is Catholic Radio relevant for the Chicago area? Well, I think it's relevant all over the country because of what's going on in our culture today. I see it all the time as I go into Catholic schools. A lot of pressure on our young people. You know, what's the truth? What's what's not the truth? What's the absolute truth? So hopefully by coming into this social media radio, we'll get some positive things out there so people can listen to. So that's why I think it's relevant because our culture is overwhelming us today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality 
quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Okay, this is Father Dwight Campbell back for the second segment of the Marian Hour, and I we were discussing before the break um, the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, October seventh. This is the month of the Rosary, and I was just giving a background to the the. Um, the Muslim invasion that was taking place in the 16th century. Uh, just to say a few words about Islam, um, I, I went back to Arius, the heretic, um, who said Jesus wasn't God, the Council of Nicaea was called, that's our creed, that Jesus is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten eternally, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Well, that heresy floated around the Middle East for hundreds of years, and we think that Muhammad picked up on this because his is just a, a rehashing of Arianism with a little twist that uh, Jesus wasn't God, he was just a prophet, and I, Muhammad, am the greater prophet. Now, I say that Muhammad is an antichrist, and Islam is a religion of the antichrist because the first epistle of St. John in the New Testament, John makes it very clear. He who denies that Jesus is the Christ is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son is the Antichrist. This is precisely what Arius had done in the early 4th century, and this is what Muhammad did in the 7th century, claiming himself as the prophet. And that religion, as we know, is very you could say evangelistic, you know, they you know, they conquer by the sword. And in the 16th, pardon me, in the, in the 15th century, um, the Muslims had conquered Constantinople, 1453, renamed it Istanbul, and they, they were making their way through territories of the Balkans, Hungary, Romania, into the next century. In 1539, they... Uh, were at the walls of Vienna, and where um, they threatened Vienna, and um, um, the uh, some years later, <coughs> um, the leader of the Muslims. This was in in the uh, mid 16th century, Suleiman the Magnificent. Okay. The middle of the 16th century, he made a vow that he would uh, basically um, uh, impose Islam in Rome. 
that he would not rest until he had stabled his horses beneath the dome of St. Peter's and wound the head of the Pope with a turban. Okay, And in 1565, uh, the the Muslims sieged Malta, the island of Malta. I think Mel Gibson should make a story about this. He's a good film director because the, the story of Malta and um, especially the, the Knights of Malta, the military order of St. John, um, is just so inspiring because 6,000 Catholic men, these knights, uh, defended Malta against 40,000 Muslims, and these were their, their top troops, okay? They, they defended the island, and, um, um, well, Suleiman died after this, uh, the Magnificent, and uh, his successor, um, he uh, <coughs> had a sight set on, on overrunning Europe, and... <coughs> His successor, Selim II, became sultan in 1566 after Suleiman died. They, they took over the island of Cyprus. Um, horribly, they, they uh, arranged a peace treaty, then slaughtered all the, 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 the Catholics okay, on, on, on the island. And um, they were making their way closer and closer to Rome on... March 7th of 1571, the Dominican Pope, Pius V, he's a saint, okay, he was aware that the Muslims were, you know, breathing down Christendom's neck, Christendom meaning all those, you know, uh, countries that were Christianized, okay, in Europe, and uh, used to be under the Pope, but after the revolt of Luther, now were split, and <coughs> Pius the Fifth uh, called together a holy league. He wanted an army to defend Christendom. Well, as a result of the Protestant um, revolt, you know, Germany, England, and even France, which was having problems with Protestantism, they didn't join the the Pope with his call to defend Europe. Sadly, it was left to Spain to to do so, and Italy. And you know, G.K. Chesterton, <coughs> he's got a classic poem. It's called Lepanto, and uh, Father Calloway, in his book Champions of the Rosary, quotes one of the lines of Chesterton: "The Pope cast his arms abroad for agony and loss." and called the kings of Christendom for swords about the cross. Well, the kings of Christendom didn't respond, uh, as I said, because they were all, you know, fighting, infighting amongst themselves, and the Protestants didn't like the Catholics, so it was left to um, Pius XII to try to form this holy league. And as Father, I, I like the way Father Calloway puts it, uh, two swords, not only... The the real uh, the the sword of steel, um, the physical sword, which this holy league would be to defend uh, Christendom, Europe, but also the sword of the rosary, and <coughs> he called together this holy league. As I said, it fell on deaf ears in the countries of England, 
Germany, France. Um, but um, King Philip of Spain responded, and he sent ships and troops, and he sent his half-brother, who was the illegitimate son of Emperor Charles V. His name is Don Juan of Austria. And there's, there's a, a wonderful book called The Last Crusader. Have you ever read that, uh, Angela? No, no. Yeah, The Last Crusader by, by um, um, DeWall, Louis DeWall. It's a marvelous book uh, about Don Juan, uh, or Don John, as we'd say in English, of Austria. Uh, this illegitimate son, well, he was chosen by uh, Pope Pius V, to head the the whole fleet, not only of the Spanish, but actually the, the Italians, the Venetians particularly, because they had this big navy, they supplied most of the ships. Uh, Don Juan, 24 years old, okay, and he had already shown his colors in, in southern Spain, defeating the, the, the Muslims, they were called the Moors back then, okay? And uh, the Pope chose him because there were kind of, uh, there was some bad blood between the Spanish and the, the Italians, and <laughs> Don Juan was, was kind of a neutral figure, but especially he had a great chivalric love for, for Our Lady, okay? He was de very devoted to the rosary, and <coughs> the Pope chose him to head the whole fleet okay, of, of the Christians. And one thing that Don Juan did prior to sailing off, he forbid, you know, y you've heard the term, he swears like a sailor. Okay? <laughs> he, prohibited, he, pro he prohibited any blasphemy on the ships. He required all of his men before the big battle to fast for three days. He had other, he recruited Dominicans and Franciscans and, and others to be on the ships. Aboard every ship they offered mass the morning of the battle, October 7th, okay, and um, and he distributed a rosary to every man in, in, in this armada. And at the time they were doing this, Pope St. Pius V was gathering a spiritual armada, you could say, with the spiritual sword of the rosary. He was asking all the confraternities of the rosary in and around Rome and, and throughout Italy and even other countries to pray the rosary every day and to fast for a victory over the Muslim Turks. And <coughs> um, Don Juan, he, over each vessel, raised the banner of the cross, and um, he, he uh, encouraged his men on, on the day of battle to, to pray the rosary before setting out. That's how they began it, after Mass. And um, uh, the the battle took place on the morning of October 7, 1571, um, and this was uh, outside of, of the town of Lepanto, which is in, in Greece. And the Christian fleet set sail. They were looking for the Muslims on this morning. Uh, their fleet, similar in size, not too much difference. Um, the, the Muslims had 300 ships, the Christians had 285. However, 
the the Muslims had a hundred thousand men that were well trained soldiers. The Christians only had seventy thousand, and a lot of these were unskilled. So it was it was a little lopsided. The the uh, as far as the, the navies were concerned and, and the, the men aboard them. And the, they formed battle lines with their ships. The Christians formed a cross as their battle line, and the Muslims formed a crescent. And at the blast of a trumpet, the Christian fleet dropped to their knees in prayer as a crucifix was raised on each vessel. And... Uh, it was really the cross versus the crescent, okay? And the Christian fleet encountered two big problems that morning. One of them was the fog. They couldn't see that well. The second was they had a strong headwind against them. And the Muslims were energized because of this. Their sails were billowing. They, were, they had the wind behind them. They're heading right toward the Christians. And all of a sudden, the wind shifted 180 degrees, and the the Christians they were able to go with the wind against the Muslims. Uh, Louis de Waal talks about in his book how they even designed ships uh, to defeat the Muslims, and um, and this helped. But it was really the changing of the wind that that uh, was you could say the decisive. Uh, element in in gaining this victory, and they they crushed the Muslim forces. Uh, the The battle lasted for five hours, and Don Juan steered his vessel toward the vessel in which Ali Pasha, who was the commander of the Islamic fleet, uh, was on his flagship. Okay, and Don Juan did something just to like in your face. He did a famous, a famous uh, Spanish dance on the deck of the ship, <laughs> right in front of them. <laughs> Cannonballs are flying. He's, he's, he did this famous dance, and the, the, um, the um, uh, Ali Pasha, commander of the, the Muslim forces, was enraged, but then a few seconds later, his head was, he was taken out with a, with a, a musket ball to the head. And um, uh, they they invaded the ship, the Don Juan's, and they cut off his head, put it on a on a pole, and it was a rout for for the Christians. They defeated the Muslims, and the Christian fleet lost seven thousand men. Um, the 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 Muslims lost thirty thousand in the battle. And the Christians, one of the good things about this, in addition to defeating the Muslims, and this crushed them for, for many years, um, there were 15,000 Christian slaves, because the Muslims, like today, they still have slaves. And they were released from uh, their, you know, they were, they were in the galleys, you know, rowing. And uh, another element, which not many people know about, Okay. Now the the victory, um, Pope. Well, he, here are two things uh, on the victory. Okay. One of them was that Pope Pius V, on the day of that afternoon of that victory. Okay. Um, you know he's in Rome. He doesn't know what's going on, but he's in a meeting with his cardinals, 
that afternoon and he looks out the window and he sees this vision he stops and he's just you know in, enraptured by whatever he's seeing he, I don't think it was ever uh, clearly explained by the Pope what he saw but he turns to his cardinals he says we must end our meeting and go pray and give thanks to Our Lady for the victory that she won for us and at that very hour it, it was that the Christians were defeating the Muslims wow. and um, so he gave he gave thanks and and as as uh, a a tribute to Our Lady seeing that the rosary was was prayed, uh, Pius V instituted the feast of Our Lady of Victory, as it was called back then. Um, I think it was the next Pope who changed it to Our Lady of the Rosary, uh, tying it to specifically the Rosary. But here's another interesting factor. I had read this before, and Father Father Calloway recounts this in his book. Once again, the Champions of the Rosary. Um, Our Lady of Guadalupe was on board. Okay. Our Lady of Guadalupe, now this is the 16th century, 1571. Our Lady appeared to Juan Diego in 1531 in, in uh, Tepayac Hill in modern-day Mexico City, okay? And um, she left her image on the tilma. Well, the, the Archbishop of Mexico had five copies of the miraculous image of Our Lady of Guadalupe made. He gave one of them to um, to one of the admirals, the Italian admirals, Giovanni Andrea Doria. Okay. And that copy was on board his galley ship. So Our Lady of Guadalupe was on board that ship and we, we attribute the victory at Lepanto in part to Our Lady under that title as well. Now, uh, another famous person was in that battle who was seriously wounded. Okay, and you'll know his name when I say it. Miguel Cervantes. Do you know what Cerv Miguel Cervantes wrote? He's the author of I do. Don, Don Quixote, yes. Yeah, Don so he, he, he wrote that, that work after the battle. But he was in the Battle of Lepanto. Really? And was injured, yes. And even everyone knew that the battle was attributed, the victory was attributed to Our Lady of the Rosary. Uh, in Venice, um, there's a chapel dedicated to Our Lady of the Rosary. On it, an inscription, one of the inscriptions reads this. Neither valor, nor arms, nor armies, but Our Lady of the Rosary gave us victory. We'll break there, come back in a few minutes.
want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MAT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. This is Father Dwight Campbell back for the final segment and um, today if you just joined us I'm talking about the, the feast day that we celebrated on October 7th of this month, uh, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, the, the history behind this, the Battle of Lepanto, and how Don Juan, the 24-year-old uh, illegitimate son of, of um, King or Emperor um, uh, Charles V of, of Spain, um, led the the Christians into victory at Lepanto off the coast of Greece, defeated the Muslim Turks. Now, um, Pope Pius V, Saint Pius V, the next year instituted the Feast of Our Lady of Victory, which later became the the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, what we celebrate today. And, uh, you know, that did not end the Muslim <laughs> uh, uh, attempted conquest of Europe. I'll just mention a couple of other things here. You fast forward 100 years, a little more than 100 years, okay? And 1683, the Muslims are bearing down on Vienna, Austria, at the end of the 17th century, 1683, the Ottoman Turks, and they're besieging the town of the, the city of Vienna in that year. And they had more, more than 150,000 soldiers, okay? And their object was to conquer Vienna in the name of Allah, and, uh, the Pope, Blessed Pope Innocent XI, he formed a Holy League, kind of in the same manner as Pius V had done, uh, to pray, and he entrusted the defense of Vienna to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And the Holy League was comprised of armies of Poland and Germany and France. And the military commander was a Pole. Do you know his name? Angela, okay. I don't know. Jan or Jan Sobieski. 
Okay? He was the king of Poland. And a few decades earlier, um, Sobieski's predecessor, King Jan Casimir II, he had written a letter to um, the head of the Dominicans asking them to come and preach, uh, you know, become preachers in Poland and to preach the rosary in particular. So the Poles uh, had this beautiful devotion kind of embedded now in their, in their culture from this preaching in just, you know, years before this. And they loved the rosary, the Poles, and now the Polish king, Jan Sobieski, would use the rosary and with his army he had an army of 40,000 again the, the 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 Turks had 150,000 so he ma sets out from Warsaw Warsaw with 40,000 troops it's a 435 pardon me 435 mile march to the battlefront at at Vienna and um, before their journey, Father Calloway makes note of this, um, King Jan Sobieski, he made a detour on the march to Vienna, and he goes to the Shrine of Our Lady of Chastahova, entrusting their cause to the Mother of God. And then they, they go on their long march, and it's basically a rosary procession. They're praying the rosary in groups or individually on the whole march, 435 miles. It took them, I, I imagine, several weeks to get there. And um, across Europe, they're praying the rosary every day. They arrive at Vienna, and providentially, the, the Muslims who had been up on the hills on the outskirts of Vienna, okay, they moved down into the valleys just outside the, the walls of Vienna because they're getting, you know, they're sieging Vienna at this time. And that allows the Poles under Sobieski to take the high ground. They do so, and on the morning of September 12th, wow. 1683, it was the feast, um, it's now especially the feast recognized of the holy name of Mary, okay? John Sobieski attends mass, he entrusts his army to and the cause to the Virgin Mary and he uh, defeats the Muslims as as the Poles are running down the these these hills to attack the Muslims they're shouting Jesus and Mary save us wow. and they defeat the Muslims in a matter of hours and and um, Sobieski relates the victory the events to Pope Innocent the 11th and you know then he returns to his native Poland uh, as as a hero. Okay, so uh, that's another great victory attributed to Our Lady of the Rosary, and I'll just mention a, a couple of more. Okay, now as I said the last time two weeks ago, we, it was the 14th, the day after the final apparition of Mary at Fatima to the three children with the miracle of the sun okay but to tie the rosary into the Fatima message because every time Our Lady appeared to the children okay from May to October she held the rosary 
and she she exhorted the children to pray the rosary. Now at Lourdes, she she had the rosary in her hands and was was pr not praying the Hail Marys, but she was she was you know you could say praying the Our Fathers at least with with um, Saint Bernadette. Okay, but the difference at at Fatima, she's she's commanding us to pray the rosary daily. It is a command from God, I, I like to tell people, to pray the rosary every day. That is the message Our Lady gave at Fatima, Portugal, to the children. And um, so Our Lady appears to them during World War I, the devastation, you know, 10 million deaths in World War I, and warns them what will happen if they, they don't repent and turn back to God. And we know that didn't happen because Our Lady predicted another war would come if people kept sinning. It did. That was World War II. Even the great sign, which was uh, the sky was all lit up on in, in January of 1938. And um, anyway, um, so to get back to Fatima, though, uh, October 13th, uh, I, I did mention this a couple of weeks ago when I was here. Our Lady appears to the children while the miracle of the sun is going on in three different appearances. One is um, Our Lady of the Rosary, okay? Our Lady of uh, Our Lady of Sorrows, okay? Uh, she, or I should say, she identifies herself as Our Lady of the Rosary. Okay, she appears as Our Lady of Sorrows, as Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and as the Holy Family. But when the children ask, are talking to her, she says, "I am Our Lady. I am the Lady of the Rosary." Okay. So, and and then to exhort, she exhorts the children again to pray the Rosary every day, and. Um, Mary appeared to Sister Lucia again in 1925, you know, asking for the first Saturdays. This was at Pontevedra, Spain. And an essential dimension of the five first Saturdays is to pray the rosary. And in addition, uh, for five first Saturdays, to meditate uh, on the 15 mysteries. Back then it was 15 mysteries. In addition to praying a five-decade rosary to make the five first Saturdays. So the rosary, very, very important at the appearances by Our Lady at Fatima, Portugal. She, she's commanding us to pray the rosary. As I always tell people, God sent Our Lady to tell us this. She didn't come on her own, okay? She was sent by God. Now, um, two other apparitions take place in Belgium just within about 15 years, okay? Bahrain, Belgium, 1932 and 33. Our Lady appears to five little children. And she appears to them a total of 33 times. Significance, you know, Jesus, 33, he dies, okay? And after the first apparition, the local parish priest asks the children to pray the rosary in anticipation of the next apparition because they tell him what's going on. And so Our Lady, for every other apparition, she appears to them, she's got a rosary draped over her arm, okay? And then, after those 33 apparitions end, the last one, January 3rd, 1933, just a couple of months later, Our Lady appears to a young girl named Mariette Becco in Bano, Belgium. And she appears to her eight times, and in the second apparition, 
Mary appears with a beautiful rosary draped over her arm. The rest of the apparitions, the same, okay? Continuing until March 2nd. So Mary is, is telling us, pray the rosary, pray the rosary. Now, I'm going to move forward to the 20th century because we have, um, in the 20th century, uh, more miracles of victory, okay? After World War II, the Soviets occupied Eastern Europe, and they were occupying parts of Austria. Austria had been divided up. Uh, Vienna was included in the part, was most of Austria belonged under Soviet rule. This was under Stalin, okay? Now, the Austrian people were praying to Our Lady to rid them of this oppressive Soviet presence. And in 1946, a priest named Father Petrus Pavlicek, he makes a pilgrimage to the principal Marian shrine in Austria. It's, it's the Marian Basilica in Mariazell. And he, he's asking Mary, you know, um, uh, you know, what to do. And uh, he was reminded, okay, on, on the way, he recalls how Mary gained a victory at Lepanto. And he's at this Marian shrine at Mariazell, and he says, an interior voice instructed him, do as I say, and there will be peace. So, Father Pavlicek organizes a rosary crusade of reparation in 1947. And uh, he, he gets the, the people of Vienna to conduct a public rosary procession in their city streets. And the explicit, explicit intention was to, uh, for a rosary crusade to bring about an end to communism in their country. And at first, the processions were not well attended. And over time, they became enormous. By 1955, you know, this is, this is going on for, for years now, okay, these rosary processions, after eight years, and the rosary processions drew more than a half a million people, one-tenth of the entire population of Austria. On May 13th, wow. 1955, the Soviets left Austria. And no one knows why. There's no explanation for it today, even. The tanks just rolled out, and there's there's never been given an explanation for this, a human explanation. We would say it's it's Our Lady, okay? So uh, on May 13th, you know, significantly, that's the first day she appeared to the children at Fatima, Portugal. So um, I'm going to talk about uh, just two briefly two other victories, okay? I just have uh, about five minutes, okay? One is Brazil, 1964. There was a communist-leaning president, João Goulart, um, who uh, large groups of people would show up uh, protesting him, and um, rosary groups were formed to break up communist rallies in Brazil at the time, and <coughs> In the city of Belo Horizonte, uh, the president had appointed many communists in high positions, 
and uh, the Archbishop of Rio de Janeiro, uh, he spoke against the president, and he went on national radio asking the people of Brazil to live the message of Fatima as a means of overcoming com the communist threat. And uh, the president was so enraged at this that he insulted the people of Brazil in a public speech. He ridiculed the rosary. And uh, this, this upset the Brazilian people. They confronted the communists during a rally in Belo, the city of Belo Horizonte. And basically, uh, the communists were, were, were run out, okay? Uh, 20,000 women marched into the streets with their rosaries in their hands. And this was in the midst of a, a communist rally. And they prayed so loudly that the, the communists couldn't rally anymore. March 19th, the feast day of St. Joseph, okay? More than 600,000 people marched in the streets of Sao Paulo praying the rosary. And it was called the, the March to Make Amends to the Rosary. We're going to make amends for what the president said about the rosary, demeaning it. Within two weeks, he fled the country, saved them from communism, okay? The Philippines, 1986, um, the people prayed the rosary to overcome the oppressive regime of President Ferdinand Marcos. Um, before the collapse of Marcos's regime, he rolled out the tanks, brave nuns, thousands of people joined devout nuns in standing in front of the tanks. They were, they were, the, 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 the military could have fired on them, but they didn't. And uh, miraculously, not a shot was fired. Marcos and his wife Imelda um, fled the country and, and peace was gained. So I'm gonna end by saying this. Uh, we have to pray the rosary for a pro-life victory next Tuesday, okay? We're in danger of turning into a socialist state, a communist state, okay? There are many, you know, young people embracing communism. They're just, I think, ignorant about what communism is, and they think, oh, all these freebies we'll get. Um, and, you know, we have, we have so many, uh, sad to say, you know, Democrats that are espousing, you know, socialism and, and even communism. And, um, we, not only that, but the real threat is to life. I mean, how can, how can anyone vote for a member of a party who embraces a platform that promotes the killing of unborn children as a right and our taxpayer money to fund this? Okay, this is evil, it's satanic. And, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I used to work for the Mayor Daly the John uh, 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 Richard J. Daly back in the day, okay? And he would turn over in his grave if he, if he saw what the Democrats are embracing now. We need a pro-life victory, okay? Trump has just gained partial victory. His presidency, in my opinion, has been worth it just for his appointment of the Supreme Court justices, especially um, uh, Judge uh, uh, Amy Barrett, okay, who was confirmed, uh, thank goodness, and, and hopefully uh, the Supreme Court will, will overturn this, this horrible Roe versus Wade decision. But we need a victory next Tuesday as well. Let us pray the rosary. Um, I'm having uh, all-day Eucharistic adoration at my parishes, Mount Carmel, St. Therese in Kenosha. I hope other parishes are doing the same. Let us pray for a victory to Our Lady in this 
this month of the rosary carried through next Tuesday on Election Day. Thank That's you. So beautiful. Father, would you give us your priestly blessing? Sure. Through the intercession of the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, may Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let's let's pray for a victory for for Mark Kern as well as uh, Senator of, of Illinois. Okay? Amen. You have been listening to The Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell. For a free copy of this recording, please visit us at wsfipodbean.com.